Well, yes, indeed, as Joe said, we are just uh, a stone's throw. Well, you've got, you got to cross the bridge to get to where we are in South Philadelphia. And, uh, um, you know, we, we all speak, uh, we, in this case, we speak a different language, uh, Swahili and, and English. But um, and we, we have a different cultures. We have different cultures. But we have the same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, music is a universal language. I, I saw you guys uh, getting into it. And so we can uh, celebrate our unity, celebrate uh, Jesus Christ, our great and wonderful Savior. Um, we have been at, uh, in, our, in our study, in our, in our preaching, we have been in the book of Isaiah for about a year. And uh, I feel like I could go another year. Uh, I, Isaiah is, is an incredible book. I know it's intimidating. I mean, 66 chapters, a lot of prophecy, but a lot of great theology. And a lot of powerful truths about uh, the great God who loves us. By the way, don't be afraid of the Old Testament, okay? Say, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. of Isaiah. All right, you need, to, you need to get into Isaiah. The other day I, re- I saw this article. It said, we should be reading the, the Bible that Jesus read. What, what, what Bible did Jesus read? The Old Testament. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> so we should be reading the Old Testament, and uh, there's, there's a movement afoot to, to unhitch us from the Old Testament. What, what is that? I, I, don't, I don't know it. Over the, uh, the fa- past couple years, and I, especially in my study of Isaiah, I have fallen in love with the Old Testament. And it's taken some work. I'm, don't, don't get me wrong. But you know, as they say, the best view comes from the highest climb, the hardest climb. I'll say that again. And I'll say it right. The best view comes from the hardest climb. So it's hard. And, and, and since when has it been easy pursuing God? I, I don't, don't, be, don't fool yourself. So today, I want us to look in Isaiah chapter 48 quickly, uh, and then um, we're going to have a little summation by Solomon, our translator. He's going to give us, uh, he's going to give our, our, our Swahili language uh, listeners uh, a quick summary at the end, and then it's time for dinner. Isaiah chapter 40, 48. And, uh, you know, we, I think a lot of people have... Tip, put the, the toe into Isaiah, you know, swimming, you know, you don't, I don't know if you're like, like me, but I, I won't just dive in. I have to put my toe in first. A lot of, a lot of people have done, and, and it's easy to do because there's some great verses in Isaiah, right? Some are coming to mind right now, like Isaiah 40, verse 31. Do you know that one? Those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not. Anybody know that verse? Y'all do, right? You've heard it before. The very beginning, chapter 1. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. What's snow? Snow. Yes. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And, of course, we're coming up on the, on the Easter season and Isaiah 53. Uh, perhaps one of the most famous Bibles. Uh, verses, uh, chapters in the whole Bible, an incredible account of Jesus' ministry and death on the cross, and written, listen, written 700 years before Jesus was born. Did you know that? that, that that's, that's amazing. But, you know, th- there's more than just that 
famous prophecy in the, old, uh, in the, in the book of Isaiah. Uh, his prophetic eyes saw much more. He saw two other very significant events. And by the way, if you want to understand Isaiah, it really helps to get into the history of Israel. You really need it. It, it just makes, makes all the world a diff- all the world a difference. And so what did he see? What did he see from his vantage point? Well, he, he saw it 140 years before, and namely he saw the, the, the captivity, the exile into Babylon. You know about this? Some of you heard of this? I'm sure you, Pastor Joe has told you a little bit about this. But not only did he see that, from his vantage point, 140 years he saw that 70 years later that they would return to Jerusalem. He even named the king who would, who would bring, it about, bring about this return. His name was King Cyrus. He names him. He, his very name is written in Scripture, written 100, 200 years before he was even born. Well, that's what we're picking up here. We're picking up here in verse 48, and you know, we're going to take a... Not a deep dive so much as a shallow dive today into the book of uh, Isaiah. And we, we find them still here in chapter 48. They're still in Babylon, but, but things are about to change. They're, they're about to be delivered. But, but they, there's a problem. It, it, they've become comfortable in Babylon. They've begun to adopt the ways of the Babylonians. Don't get me wrong, they were still Israelites, and, but, but something, something was wrong. Here in verse 1 of chapter 48, Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord, who, and confess the God of Israel, but not, what does it say? Not in truth or right. Are you with me? Are you following along? What had happened? What, what, what's happening here? Well, they, they had become idolaters. In fact, chapters 41 through 48 is, is God making his argument against idols and, and against those who practice idolatry. And here, actually, in chapter 48, he's coming to a conclusion of that argument. Like a prosecuting attorney, he's making his, his final arguments. Idolatry is, was, is a big sin of Israel. When you think of idolatry, uh, you know, we often think of, of maybe primitive people or ignorant people bowing down to wooden or metal images, right? And, and that's part of what was going on. But, but listen, idolatry is, is something more. Idolatry is something that you can suffer from. It could be a, one of your sins. Idolatry is wanting the good things God promises, but going after those things in the wrong way. And this is what Israel was doing. They saw all the pagan religions around them. They saw their gold and their power and their fun. And they figured, well, maybe it was their gods that gave them all this. And and, and it was a slippery slope. Before you know it, they were actually worshiping those gods. Do we do that, anything like this? Do we? A couple, a couple nods of the head. Yeah, we do this, don't we? We see non-believers, we see the people in the world having success, getting their good stuff, their gold, having their fun. But these people, we know it. We're, we know they don't. They they reject 
the true and living God. No problem, right? We'll just do what they do a little bit. We'll, we'll dress like they do. We'll think like they do. We'll listen to the music they listen to. We'll hear their prophets. And before you know it, what happens? We become like them. And this is what Isaiah saw 200 years before it happened. He saw this happening. People doing what people do. Come on, this is what we all do. Even God's people do this. We've got to be careful. But nonetheless, God is still there. God is still talking to him. And God is about to do a big thing, a new thing. And what does he do? Well, sure enough, as I mentioned earlier, he sends King Cyrus to conquer Babylon. He comes from Persia. And he says to the Israelites, go back home. Return. And sure enough, a remnant do. Now, this, this should, be, should start to get your, your history going here. A remnant do. They go back and they build the wall. Who was the one who built the wall? Nehemiah. Who was the, who was the guy that built the temple? This is the second temple. Zerubbabel and Ezra, right? They, 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 they did that. You read about it. Don't, don't, don't take my word, my word for it. But this is actually chapters. This is maybe why Isaiah is a little hard to read. From chapter 1 to 48, you've, you've got these oracles. You've got these words of God against the sinful nations. Not just Israel, but sinful nations. Yeah, one thing after another. This is just the latest case against them. Earlier, he talks about their, their lawlessness, their, their social injustice, things like drunkenness. They, they did it all. But yet God sticks with them. God does not abandon his people. Oh, they've abandoned him. They broke his covenant, and they knew the rules of engagement with God. They knew what they had to do. If they kept the covenant, they would be blessed. If they didn't keep the covenant, they would be judged, and, G and, G and that's exactly what happened. God sent his prophets to warn them, and again and again. He, Isaiah warned them again and again, but they didn't change. They didn't repent, and so they were finally judged. The exile was the judgment. They were drug off into exile, ripped from their homes, all that was familiar to them, that was taken away to a faraway country. Can you imagine how hard that would be? Actually, some of us in this room can imagine how hard that, that was. There in Babylon, in, in their misery, they repented, right? They, they, they finally got it right. They finally saw the error of their ways. <laughs> what do you think? You know where I'm going, right? No. Not even close. Now they're running after idols. Not re and rejecting the Holy One of Israel. You know, they deserved what they got. They deserved the punishment of the exile. They were, they were stubborn. <laughs> Not only were they idolatrous, they were stubborn. Verse 4 here, he says, I, I know that you are stubborn. And your neck is an iron sinew and your forehead brass. Ouch. And now he says, wait, you stubborn sinners, you idolaters, you're going to do something that's going to even make my name not glorious. You're going you're to shame my name. What are you going to do? Verse 5, 
I declare them to you from old, of old. Before they have come to pass, I announce them. Well, he's talking about this, this plan of, of God bringing them back to, to, to Jerusalem. And I did this lest you should say my idol did them. My carved image and my metal image commanded them. Yeah, this, this is Israel. These are the people of God. <laughs> but wait a minute. Why doesn't he just leave them rot in Babylon? That would, have, that would have been deserved. No, this is God not giving them what they deserve. What do we call that? We call that grace. Grace. This is, this is Yahweh saying, I'm about to do something very different, very new. Yeah, I'm going to bring you back into the land. You're going home. But there's actually something more here, something more wonderful. It's hinted at in verse 6. You have heard, now see all this, and you will not declare it. From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. Right? He's already told them about the return, but there's something else coming. You're going to see it, and, and, and you might not rejoice, but many will rejoice even if you don't. You're not going to give me credit. You're going to think your idols did it. Why do you think your idols are, are, so, are so powerful? Idols are worthless. Sure, maybe they have a, a momentary or, or, or a temporary blessing or a blessing, not necessarily a blessing, but an but a, but a oomph for you, a, a, a bit of satisfaction. They make life a little better for you. But, but we know in the end that, that all idols, they, they, they eventually disappoint. You stubborn rebels, you idolaters, I'm going to just forget you. No, that's not what he says. I'm going to still bless you. This is amazing. This is amazing. At this point, God's grace. Here on the, in the Old Testament, his grace is beginning to appear. It's beginning to shine forth. In fact, he's already announced it back in chapter 40. Judgment is over. Your warfare is over. Your iniquity is your iniquity is pardoned. He says here in verse 9, For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. That I may not cut you off. Behold, I ever find you, verse 10, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction, but it just didn't change you. But for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? I'm not going to let this continue. My glory I will not give to another. No, God's glory will be seen, even, even if these idolatrous Israelites don't see it, even if they don't give him praise. And how will God's glory be seen? They will see it in his mercy. These wicked Israelites, oh, disobeying God, running after idols, Receiving judgment, but not ultimate judgment. And God is yet saving them. They haven't got their acts together, but God's about to do something. He's going to do something regardless of that. He's going to display his glory through his mercy. Everybody listen here as I close. <laughs> Do you relate to these Israelites? 
I hope you're not saying tisk tisk. Oh, they had so much privilege, so much, so much, so much reason to succeed. But they, they should have. They should have. Why didn't they? No, he's talking to his people, and we are his people. And God is saving us, no matter what. None of us have our acts together. He has put his sights on you. His, you are now his, the apple of his eye. You are his children. And he's going to save you. And he doesn't wait to save you. He doesn't wait for you to stop sinning and get your act together. Judgment, you know, the pain of judgment. We, we say, oh, that must be God's hand on my life. And uh, there is a role in that. But what saves us in the end? It saves us in the end is his mercy. And as, as his mercy begins to dawn on us, as we see his, his, his unconditional love and favor, it moves our heart. We're filled with gratitude. And we respond to him with love. He says, draw near to me. Verse 16. Hear this. From the beginning I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me in his spirit. And this is it. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. Who leads you in the way you should go. Isaiah is speaking to us today. He is speaking to us, telling us that there would be a redeemer. And we know his name. His name is the Lord Jesus. And, and maybe there's been a lot of judgment in your life. I don't know. But you know, what brought you to this place was God's mercy and God's grace. Oh, you know, if, if, you hadn't, if, you, if you hadn't sinned, maybe, maybe it would have been easier. In fact, he, he promises, he says, uh, he says here in verse, verse, verse 21, uh, he, he, promises, he's, he promises here back in, uh, uh, let me find it here. I'm looking for it, and I can't find it. He says, oh, oh, the Lord, go out from Babylon with a shout from, from joy, from joy, and your offspring... If you hadn't, if you, if you had kept my commandments, there it is, verse, verse 18, sorry. If you had kept my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea and your offspring would have been like the sand, your descendants like its grains. Yeah, judgment does come with a cost and a price, but God still loves us despite our sinfulness. Don't forget that. Don't lose that as you Struggle at times with your sinfulness and remember that God is fixing our break, brokenness and he is the one who can do it and will do it. Let's pray.